time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Mr. Scott, shall we give the Enterprise a proper shakedown? I would say it's time for that, sir. I... Before this drama unfolds, we give welcome to the ones named Kirk and Spock. You! What planet is this? Which one of you is the captain? Violate the treaty, Captain. Sir, someone is stealing the Enterprise. What are you scratching at? <laughs> Humans make illogical decisions. Destruction sequence completed and engaged. No! Yes, I found it! Starfleet, do you read? This is the Enterprise. We are under attack. Fire in the sky. Welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday, the original series. Uh, this is episode number 53. I'm Chris Honeywell, and I'm here with Scott Gardner. Hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I, um, Scott and I were just talking. You're probably going to get a short couple of episodes <laughs> today, and you'll see why as we... Uh, as we move into the into that section of the show, but uh <laughs> well, I was noticing that uh ever since we made the move to two dot com we have not been shy about putting out some monsters that's for sure well, we can now. I think oh yeah, absolutely, and I think like you know the last two Star Wars monthly Mondays, just as an example, I think each of those clocked in at right about three like hours close to three more, hours you know yeah. more or less so and you know i'm I'm good with that. However, I'm, I'm under a bit of a crunch for editing for another show at the moment, just to be perfectly honest. Plus, now, while I do really enjoy the next-gen episode that we'll be discussing, um, the episode and comic we'll be discussing for TOS? Maybe not, not so much. Not so much. So, <laughs> I don't know how much there'll be to, uh, to discuss for those. I do want to throw something out there real quick, though. Um, I don't know what's up with you guys, but you're too quiet, huh? Somebody's got to write in. We haven't had uh, feedback 
Well, we haven't really had much feedback lately at all, but we haven't had feedback for uh, for Star Trek now in quite a bit. The uh, mailbox is empty. I was just looking at it. So uh, write in. Let us know what you're uh, thinking about the show, that sort of thing. That means you, Mike Poteet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mike Poteet's on Facebook, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I always thought he was one of the, the non-Facebook users, but... Yeah, I always looked. I always looked forward to the letter from Mike Poteet every, every episode. Yeah, maybe yeah. he's given up on us. No, no, no. He's still out there because uh, we were just messaging back and forth recently, and I think a lot of what it is, honestly, and somebody was uh, was saying such not long ago about the forum, is that Facebook has kind of taken the place of the forum. There's not been much activity on our forum in quite some time. I think Facebook's starting to take the place of everything. Yes. You know, the forum, the feedback, the email, everything. And I like Facebook. It's fine. It's nice for, you know, pretty much instantaneous feedback and, you know, being able to communicate with everybody. It's awesome in that regard. But not everybody's there either. Not everybody's there. And I mean, I'm not really going to take memos from Facebook. You know what I mean? You can't really save it conveniently like you can an email right you know right. you can't print it out at work or whatever to to have it to bring to the show later to discuss kind of thing and you know that sort of thing so and i don't know if people realize it but facebook ain't always going to be there right someday everybody will get bored of it and it'll be something else so yeah i was reading something the other day about the hot new thing that was i can't remember what it was called but there's some new thing now that they say all the all the kids are into Ooh. so that'll you know because that's how Facebook started. All the kids got tired of MySpace and their parents being on there and all that sort of thing. And it started to be populated by the old farts. So all the kids migrated over to Facebook. And now I guess they're they're starting to feel the same way about Facebook. That it's it's not hip and cool anymore because right. mom and dad and grandpa and grandma hang out over there. So now they've gone to some new thing. And I forget what the name of it is. But I don't know. But I do know one thing. Soon enough, grandpa. Our listeners are awesome, though. They are truly awesome. And I got some swag the other day that I think you're going to be interested in. As a matter of fact, I got permission from Mr. Kirk Landry, who was the one that sent me these, to actually pass them on to you, my friend, because these are right up your alley. I got three, count them, three Whitman Star Trek comics. Ooh. And uh, I know that you will dig these. We got issues 51, 52, and 53, and they look like some wacky, wacky Star Trek fun. They have those beautiful painted covers yeah. on them like they always had back then. Those retro yeah. looking. They're really neat looking. I mean, I, I like uh, I like the, the very, I mean, they were, the Star Trek of this era in these comics was very, very science fictiony. Yes, in in sort of a in sort of a Flash Gordony kind of way. I really do dig the art. I'm just I'm never really very fond of these stories, but I know that you do collect these, so I'm going to go ahead and pass these oh, on to awesome. you. Although now I'm flipping through them and looking and seeing that there's like Star Wars ads, like vintage Star Wars ads for. Oh, you know what? I actually have the watch that's in here it says be the first to own the official star wars watch and i actually mm-hmm. still have this to this day it doesn't work but i've got one but i yeah, know you will are, like these this. are yeah these are the re they're reprints you know from the mm-hmm. from the gold key comics well yeah exactly that's what i was trying to think of gold i was trying to think of that name gold key and i was drawing a blank 
because I knew that these weren't originals, but uh, but man, they are nice because they reprint the those beautiful painted covers and everything. So I know you'll get a kick out of these. Oh much yeah, more I love them. Ask on because I know you collect these. So, but that's all I got as far as preamble. I don't really have anything Star Trek. I haven't gotten anything. I the Star Trek and Star Wars pickings have been real slim in in <laughs> Garage Shell Land this year for some reason. So, yeah, I'm ready to I'm ready to go right into uh, that works this for me, man. as it were. The Mark of Gideon. Is anyone aboard? All bridge personnel report immediately. Engineering. Mr. Scott. Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk was transported down. He never arrived. Who are you? If you didn't bring me here. That's right. Who has brought you here? I request permission to beam down to conduct a search for our captain. Permission denied. You're going to let him get away with that. This would be madness. Transport me down right this minute and I'll prove to those... I cannot accept the responsibility for ordering a fellow officer to violate a Starfleet directive. I can make such a decision only for myself. You come to die. I don't know. I only know I'm happy. Alright, so The Mark of Gideon. This is a uh, third season episode. Getting the synopsis right out of the Nitpicker's Guide for Classic Trekkers by uh, Phil Frand. So it says here, the Enterprise travels to Gideon, a non-Federation planet that has uh, suddenly requested Kirk's presence. Unknown to the captain, the Gideons have constructed an exact duplicate of the Enterprise on the surface. Just as Kirk beams down, they render, uh, render him unconscious and transfer a vial of his blood into a woman named Odana. After letting Kirk wander through their cruelest enterprise for a few minutes, they send Odana in to meet him. She feigns ignorance of any knowledge about her planet of origin. The oddness and tension of the situation soon draws Kirk to Odana, just as the Gideons hoped. Of course, it doesn't hurt that she's dressed in one of Thesis's costumes. Yes, yes that's true. Yes, he's kind of half naked through the episode. Then Odana uh, falls ill, and the leader of Gideon's council appears from nowhere to rush to her side. His name is Hoden, and he is Odana's father. Hoden knew that Kirk carried a rare disease in his blood. The planet of Gideon is vastly overcrowded because the people live very long lives. Hoden plans to use uh, transfusions from Kirk to cut a swath of death through the populace. <laughs> he predicts that Odana's death will rally the young people to come forward to sacrifice their lives to return Gideon to the paradise it once was. Thankfully, Spock beams down and rescues Kirk from this macabre existence. That's actually a really good synopsis. They kind of reversed it. They kind of took out the... They, they kind of didn't set up the mystery of it and then That's explain true. it. They explained it and then set, set up the situation. It was a little weird, but... Because that's the situation, you know, the the show ends, starts out with you not knowing what the hell's going on. Oh, uh, where to begin? Yeah. yeah, where to begin, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, third season, once again, yeah. it has that weird, like it has a echoey voiceover of Kirk. Yeah. Of his internal monologue, which could have easily been Captain's Log. 
You know, I don't know where I am. I don't know what's going on. Because they have Spock do it later. He's doing a ship's log. But for some reason, maybe they just, uh, they, when they edited this show, they were like, yeah, it doesn't quite make sense. We need some dialogue. But I just don't understand why they didn't do it in the form of a captain's log, the way they've been doing it every episode. I'm trying to remember. Didn't they do something like that in uh, the Gas Passers yes, as well? Yes. Yeah. This has a and lot that, in common. Maybe it's the same director. I didn't check, but it has, yeah, I didn't either. This has a lot in com- common. It has uh, awkward cutaways. Um, that that um, um, oh Donna, that scene with them on the bridge <laughs> where they're talking and it keeps cutting over each other, each of their shoulders. And it's obvious, you know, they're positioned differently. Did you watch this? Yes, I watched the the re rejiggered version. Now, the the one that you watched was at high def. Yes, I actually Did both episodes for some reason I downloaded in high def this week. Something was up with Kirk's hair in this mm-hmm. episode, mm-hmm. and I think he had it, was it different dyed black. In two different shots. Yeah. And, it looked dyed black to me because by the end of the episode, Shatner's hair is black. And I'm like, what? You know, I, I, it took me a minute. I'm, I kept looking at it going, am, am I really seeing this? So I'm wondering, like, was he working on another movie or because I don't remember Kirk's hair ever being. But, but you know, but this is admittedly one of those episodes. I think I've only ever seen this one just a couple of yeah. times because I mean, as the, a kid, this one was boring as an adult. It was only slightly less boring. Yeah, that's the kindest thing I can say about it is that it's not as bad as I remember it to be. It's the problem with this one is that it's not a bad concept. It's not terribly bad in in execution. You know, it, it's got a pretty decent setup. It's got some genuine suspense, but the problem is you can't escape the fact that you know, how in the hell did these people build an exact i mean exact to where it fools the captain and the first officer the, the contents it, of the captain's quarters yeah. yeah i mean how does that happen on a planet that's really crowded too but more importantly why because if you think about it i can't think of in the internal logic of the episode itself i can't think of a reason for them to have done this and why they it wanted really to keep him there serve any, yeah it doesn't serve any more purpose than it would if they just beamed him down and took his to butt. a huge empty room somewhere where he and and odana could finally you know come you know find each other and get it on i they don't have to get it on that's the thing though cuz they oh, take his yeah. he before they take his, they take his right. blood before he even knows what's going on so they could that's have beamed, right. they could have beamed him over, taken his blood and been like, "Oh, Captain, you fell down and bumped your arm when, when you are you okay? You know, and and right. sent him back to the Enterprise and had his blood and you know, mission accomplished." But instead, they go through the stupidest, most convoluted plan ever. And not only that, but it's the biggest asshole plan in the world because, all right, <laughs> so you got all these old guys. Who are old, 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 who remember when there was enough room on the world in the world, right? They want to talk the young people into killing themselves. Well, of course they do. That's what so, I want to do too. <laughs> so, so that they can have their world back. Well, if I was the young people, I'd be screw you, old people. You've had five hundred <laughs> years. You know, you you do it. You know, and 
not only that, but you know, they could just suck on a tailpipe. You know what I mean? If they, right. if, you know, why do they have to go and find the most painful, you know, disease ever? You know, that's going to kill you painfully or whatever. What you know? I mean, there's been other uh, you have a suicide booth or something you know <laughs> come on i was thinking about soylent green a whole lot while watching this movie i'll tell it's, you what it just doesn't their, their whole plan does not make their whole plan sounds like this uh, the plan of an insane person that okay then his daughter dies of the disease and everybody goes huh interesting and then it's a, instead of being like oh i want that disease too you know what what kind of logic is you know, and I I don't think building a, a replica enterprise and aren't they capable of building spaceships and maybe it, colonizing another planet or something? <laughs> you know, come on. <laughs> I mean, I mean, definitely. You know, it was. I mean, overpopulation was a big concern at that time. You know, mm-hmm. as it is now, but it was that was you know there was a lot of talk about overpopulation, so. This was just an obvious, you know, social social commentary episode of Star Trek. But unfortunately, it's in the third season, so it's got bad pull focus. And did you catch the shadow of, I don't know if it was a moving camera, you know, a person moving who was holding the, the boom mic or something. But there's a, a moving shadow on the bridge. That definitely shouldn't be there since there's only supposed to be two people there. I, I did not see that. I'm I, I'm actually looking through the uh, nitpickers guide real quick to see if he says anything about that here. But it I'm not might have that. been something that might that might just show up in the days of high def. Now you know what I mean, right? But uh, oof. I mean, as a kid. That that the time when they're making out and all of a sudden there's all the faces on the view screen behind them, that creeped me out really good. And when they went and opened up the one window and there's people there and then it's like oh 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 no and then there's space that creeped me out too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was looking at that watching this now you know all these years later in high def and I was looking at that going. Did that always look like that, or is that refilmed? Because I remember it more like just glowy, floaty heads, kind of like the one that shows up at the end of Charlie X. I was expecting like kinda... guilty, guilty, <laughs> guilty. But yeah, where they show up on uh, on the bridge view screen, that one was really creepy because they're just they they don't they're not moving. Or talking or blinking or they're just standing they just there like to watch. Yeah, it's really crazy. Speaking of which, did Hoden watch Kirk and O'Donna get it on? Because I kind of got that vibe. Why was it important that, that that they the two of them hook up? It's it's like they had his blood. So I I thought at first it was like okay they have to make out so she catches it from Kirk, which doesn't make sense because he was over it years ago. But. I think the implication, this is what I got anyway, was that Hoden was hoping that she was a good enough lay to keep Kirk there of his own accord, so that he wouldn't try to escape or, or fight his way off the planet. Which, for you know, what come on, this is Kirk we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. he, he's a love him and leave him type, you know? 
She'd she'd be good for you know a weekend maybe, and that'd be it. He'd be bored. He'd be you know trying to figure oh, out a way yeah. to get off the planet. So, or work his way through the planet. One of the two, right. you know. Well, there's a that that there could have kept him around, huh? There's a lot of women on that planet. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of they're, privacy, they're... but I don't think he really cares. That's Kirk. He doesn't care. <laughs> so I yeah I don't know. Because a man one. is into public displays of affection. I didn't really even take serious notes on this one because about five minutes in, I realized, oh my god, there's so much going on here to nitpick. I, I could spend days doing wow. it. You, know, you could just destroy this episode. You have Mr. Spock, the man with the mind of a computer, and he doesn't notice a discrepancy between the two sets of coordinates. Right. You know, immediately. That's the first thing I thought is like, oh, they must be beaming them to two separate sets of coordinates. And, the, and here's the numbers right there. All you have to do is put them side by side and go, oh, okay. Now, I'm wondering why Chekhov didn't get chewed out. Because he's in one scene, and the scene that he's in is where they repeat the coordinates. He's checking them off on a clipboard and says, yep, those are the coordinates, all right. But wait a minute. If they were given false coordinates, then... Or did they just repeat the false ones back to him? I'm not sure, but still... I don't know. That that whole thing was just stupid anyway, because that's the only time I can ever recall them doing anything like that. Normally, it's just you know. If well, they think need of their technology. It would be like a. It would be like our, our technology now that they put the first three num first few numbers of the coordinates in, and then the rest would pop up. You know, is this what you mean? Right. Or you know they you know they'd send it in a text message or something. They're not gonna get on the thing and read it over the the. It's just. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, Chekhov writes it down in pen. Right, exactly. Oh, shit, Mr. Spock. Yeah. I wrote it down I wrong. It's not working. Can I have a different pen? Yeah, yeah, you see on. him shaking the pen in the background, licking <laughs> the tip of it. Fuck. <laughs> oh, man. Like I said, it's not a horrible episode, but it's, I mean, it's rough. Well, the thing is, too, is, you know, okay, so they build this exact duplicate of the Enterprise, and then they make a big deal about the fact that, um, you know, it seems like they alternate between, you know, it's an exact duplicate, and then, well, it is, but it's it's non-functional, except when they need it to function. You mm -hmm. know, when, like, Kirkman hits the button that opens the, the window so that they can gasp at the people standing outside, that particular piece of equipment happens to work. But other pieces of equipment are just dumb. So it's like, how did these people know to pick and choose just the right ones? You know, to keep... How perk? many years did it take them to orchestrate this little ridiculous third epi season episode, you know? Mm -hmm. To engineer and to, to send in... They had to spy. If they have the technology to spy on the Enterprise, then they have the technology to get the hell off that planet and find some other SETI Alpha 5 or something to live on. Well, the thing is, is, you know, there's not even really a way that you can no-prize this to make it work because, you know, if it was some sort of holodeck thing, then they would still have to know exactly what the mm -hmm. Enterprise looks like, even if they didn't go into this ridiculous thing of building in a, a full-size exact duplicate they would still have to know. So the only other thing that works is some sort of well, mental illusion or something, you know, a la Christopher Pike, you know, with the ass heads or something. But that doesn't really work either. 
when you throw Spock into the equation, when he suddenly beams down and he's seeing the exact thing, then then it kind of falls apart. So I don't know how in the world you would possibly know prize this one. It just flat <laughs> doesn't work. It's it's really a stupid concept. But the, the thing, again, that, that floors me more than that is that I, I can't figure out a logical reason to go to this extreme other than to get those moments of Kirk wandering in empty enterprise and Kirk seeing the faces yeah. on the view screen. I mean, you're getting those couple of visuals, but if you stop and think about it for a minute, it's like, all right, that's kind of cool and creepy, but why? Here's what they do. Here's what you do. You, you, you call up your medical university and have them call up Starfleet and request some, some disease cultures for study. Right. And then inject them into, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe I, I got to see what year Zardoz, have you ever seen Zardoz? It's Sean been forever. I mean, I don't remember it's it a, very well. There's a similar concept in Zardoz where the people are really old and they want to die, but they can't bring themselves to like kill themselves. You know, right. they, have to, they have to use Sean Connery as their agent of destruction, sort of. But this is a watered, watered, watered down version of that. This, you know, we have to thin out our population. And it's like, how about this? Cut off the food supply. <laughs> Cut the food supply in half. There mm -hmm. you go. You know, is starvation any worse than some hor horrifyingly painful disease? You know, I don't know. It just doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> no. It, it does not work at all. Um, what else have I got for this one? Oh, this may interest you. This episode Maybe. was co-written by the actor that played Cyrano Jones in The Trouble with Tribbles. Oh, well. <laughs> or maybe it wouldn't interest Maybe you I have more appreciation for him as an actor in <laughs> Trouble with right. Tribbles now. <laughs> Um, let's see. Krodak, and I don't even know if they ever say this guy's name, but that's how he's listed in the credits. He was the bald assistant guy, like the bald assistant with the, with the, he's the one that gets beamed up and then beamed back yeah. down again. Um, he was Ben Childress in Mud's Women, the, the minor guy down on the planet who okay. was such an asshole to the, to yep. the pretty girl. And he was the commander who brings the Binars aboard in that Next Generation episode, the 11001100110001. That one, yeah. And I'm pretty sure that this is where they got the bulk of the footage that they used in the Next Gen episode, uh, Relics, where Scotty recreates the Bridge of the Enterprise on the holodeck. I think oh. they got it from this because, you know, nice empty shots. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There's all those weird shots from different angles of the empty bridge. Mm-hmm. Because some of that set they reconstructed, but just a little bit of it, like, you know, the chair, basically. The chair and I think like a corner of Sulu's station or something. But a lot of it was uh, was kind of, you know, blue-screened or green-screened into it for, uh, for Scotty and Picard to be able to hang out on the bridge of the old Enterprise. I've still never seen that. Really? Yeah. Wow. 
That's a, that's actually one of the better episodes. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you'll like that one. There's a big old continuity error with it, but other than that, it's a really good episode. Wouldn't be Star Trek without one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, like I said, you know, not as bad as I remember it to be, but not. Uh, yeah, it didn't. It didn't light my world on fire. So. I was sort of doing that. Now maybe it was because I had higher hopes for it because we've been having such good luck with ones that we thought were clunkers when we were kids but yeah, yeah this one's more in the gas passers territory the thing that scares me is that we have had really good luck in the numbers which means that now that i'm pretty sure we're well past the uh, halfway point oh of yeah episodes that means that we're probably gonna have you know, the bulk of the clunkers in this second We got some half. clunkers. There's some good ones that we haven't gotten yet, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there are, but there's there's some real dogs. The greatest up. one of all time. Yes. Yes, yes. Well, that's all I got. That's about all I got, too. Shall we so move what? on to our... No. Our DC Star Trek? No. Hmm? It's the same, you know, cast of characters... Is last time, but yeah, no, this one, this one deserves to have the credits read just because they're different and <laughs> just because all of these people should get smacked yeah. for this. Although I don't know who did the cover. The cover has a very, uh, there's something that the very Klaus Jansen like ink to it, but um, I can look that up for you real quick. This is the July 1987 Star Trek DC. Uh, 75 Centaroonies, entitled Mud's Magic, and uh, we have a very good writer. That being said, Len Wein, not his greatest work. Uh, no. Um, Sutton and Villagran, of course, a pencil and inker, as usual. Um, Augustus Moss, letter, as usual. Everybody, right? And Michelle Wolfman, colorist. Pretty much. Greenberger editor. So it's the same same crew as last time. Alright. So uh, to sum up the last issue, Enterprise drawn to planet suddenly, Wizard of Oz, catchphrase, 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 follow, 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 follow. Goddamn Harry Mud. <laughs> yes. Mud has the landing party stuck on a planet where their every wish is manifested somehow. Uh, somehow, I wish the, I wish it had been shorter because I had a tough time getting through it. Somehow, this is also happening on the Enterprise too, causing much chaos and wackiness, like elephants showing up. <laughs> After a threatened beatdown, Mud produces an energy period, uh, energy period, energy pyramid. <laughs> that has been uh, granting these wishes. Kirk tries the usual logic tricks that he uses on robots and paradoxes on the pyramid, but it gently rebuffs him. Mud takes him to the place where he found the artifact, and it's covered with strange hieroglyphics, which Spock cannot make heads or tails of, but McCoy identifies as children's nursery rhymes. <sighs> the pyramid is a nanny used to raise children. Spock tells it that they are all grups through a, a handy Vulcan mind meld. <laughs> and the artifact frees them, but it's sad because it will be 
all alone. Kirk arrests Mud just for the hell of it and sends a pyramid to the Space Make-A-Wish Foundation. And that is no joke. He sends it to the Space Make-A-Wish Foundation. That is actually true, yes. Now, um... <sighs> I'm frequently confronted with the uh, question of what the hell is wrong with you anyway? <laughs> um, this is exhibit A right here that I have to read shit like this to entertain you people. That That's that's what the hell's wrong with me right there. This comic sucked, man. Oh. I mean, I can't... There's no redeeming qualities to this issue. This was horrible. This was absolutely horrible. I have read some shitty comics in my day, but I almost was like, I, I can't finish this. It's so bad. I cannot finish. I forced myself to eat it all but man what a piece of it sat crap sat in your stomach like a brick though didn't it yep yeah well it has goddamn hairy mud in it it's not even i mean all, yeah that's bad up enough. right on the first page oh no uh, here we go yeah. again yep exactly and actually it's a little bit of a rehash of the last issue too which was just like len ween rehashing things mm-hmm. you know just sort of but- did you read the letters page at, at the very end? No, I didn't. This was his last issue. So I'm thinking, you know, Len just kind of phoned it in. Len knew that <laughs> he was short time in it and was just like, you know what? I'm just going to dash off some piece of shit and I'm out of here. You know, collect his paycheck, clear out his desk and he's gone. And it's like, wow, really, dude? Because, I mean, this is just top to bottom horrible. The art is a tr- Atrocious in this issue and the concept is i mean i can't i literally cannot find a redeeming quality for this harry mud sucks anyway but i mean he's even more annoying and and out of character than he normally is the concept is just plain silly all the constructs are silly and then at the very end, just to rub salt in an open, <laughs> gaping, bleeding wound, Kirk mistakes Scotty for an Irishman. I'm like, what? <laughs> I wondered if you were going to pick that up. <laughs> what the saying. hell is that all about? I was wondering why Scotty let that fly. That's usually so- not something that like a Scotsman's going to uh, let go. His name is Scott. <laughs> it's in the <laughs> Oh my God, was this horrible? Absolute. And yeah, when I got to the Space Make a Wish Foundation, I was like, I, I'm serious. <laughs> it's such a good thing that's on the last page because I would have been done if that had been any earlier in the. Uh, the uh, and, you know, Lucky the Leprechaun shows up to taunt Mr. Spice. Ah! Yeah, Lucky the le- Leprechaun. There's a Space McDonald's in there for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, look, they've made this from Mud's brain. Really, Mud hang out at McDonald's a lot in the miniature golf. Well, the, uh, the artifact's manifestation looks like Star the Starbucks you know, corporate logo type of thing. Oh, man. It's just bad. It's just so bad. And that picture on page 19... Right down at the bottom of the page, that one picture of Spock, it's it's a face, you know, like he's looking at... The profile? At, what the... No, no, the one next to it, to the right of it. Look at his ears! This is like... 
<laughs> it's like Lord of the Rings or something. Yes. Well, oh, he's also man. got scurfitis, uh, something yeah, wicked on that page. Just came out of the out of the coal mine or yeah, something. Yeah, I mean, basically, he was given a lot of simple things to draw, like a little round smiley face, a pyramid, and a lot of white background. You know, a lot of no background going on. So, I mean, yeah, everything about this screams hurried. Mm-hmm. Sort of the same as... Uh, as uh, the TV show, actually, sort of rushed yeah. and hurried. Although this is way worse than the TV show. Way worse. Yeah. Although I like when, like when they finally mm-hmm. convince that the the pyramid that they're grown ups in that says, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna fix this." It shows the McDonald's like getting covered over by sand, and it just reminds me of the end of Planet of the Apes. You like Bill Sienkiewicz, right? Yeah, I love Bill Sienkiewicz. Do you, uh, in your CBR, does it have the shadow ad in, in yours? No, it doesn't. Oh, that's a shame. Because after that uh, that four-issue miniseries that brought the shadow back in the mid-'80s, it was like 86, I think. It was that four-issue uh, Howard Chaikin series. That was so popular that they brought him back in an ongoing series, and uh, and Bill Sienkiewicz was the uh, artist on that. And the ad in here is uh, is a Sienkiewicz ad. It's really cool. I like that. That was a good series for a while. It petered out fast, but it was actually pretty decent. I collected it when it was coming out. How about this art on the last page? Look at Spock in those two frames with Lucky the Leprechaun. (laughs) He's got Herman (laughs) Munster head and, like, this huge honker nose and elven ears. He looks like a Mad Magazine, like, parody of Spock, you know? Yeah, he does. It's so weird. His, His head is flat. Look at the very last picture of Spock in the book. He's going, yeah. Herm. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Yeah. Hey, there's my boss on the on the back cover. I didn't even notice that before. Huh. Yeah. I mean, the ads are better than anything in the book. And of course, I don't have any of them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have the letters page either, come to think of it. That's probably uh, why I didn't okay. read it. Yeah. Well, that's... it says on the, and the letters page does say that this is uh, Ween's last issue. And I was thinking, oh, man, does that mean that we're going to get Peter David? Because now I know that Peter David is the writer on the bulk of the series that followed this, the prestige format mm-hmm. um, Star Trek book by DC. But I think somebody recently told me that uh, David actually came on toward the end of this series. So if that's true, I'm really looking forward to that. And I was kind of hoping that's what was going on here. But uh, this says that it'll be Mike Carlin. Off the top of my head, I can't recall Mike Carlin, uh, you know, what, what his writing style is. I know him best as uh, he was the editor of uh, the Superman books, um, you know, right around like the burn. I think it was just post-burn, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, during the, the post-crisis burn era or the post-crisis Superman era, rather, um, that's that's what I remember him for. So it'll be curious to see, you know what kind of Star Trek writing chops he has. He can't possibly do I was going to say, it's uphill from here anyway. No yeah. matter where, <laughs> no, no where he goes. <laughs> so I'm... Eh, it's something to look forward to. I mean, to. if... I mean, when, you know... Ed, and I'll have to put a score behind this one, but you know it's going to all be... If this was a real episode, that's all the music it would have in it. <laughs> when the leprechaun shows up, 
Jimmy boy. Yeah. You never know when I'm going to strike. Huh, Jim? How's <laughs> Jim? Oh, to solve your mystery from before, according to Mike's amazing world of comics, the penciler on the cover was none other than Ron Friends, which huh? really surprises me. I don't really does see Ron Friends. does not look like Ron Friends there. at all. No, it's not. And the inker was none, none other than uh, Dick Giordano. Uh-oh. So I don't really it see Giordano look a lot in there. better either. than it does. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's, what's really funny to me is that now, nothing else on this cover really does. Well, maybe the toy soldiers, but none of the other figures, like, uh, I, I guess it's supposed to be McCoy. We got, you know, we got McCoy, you got Morass, you got Spock, you got Harry Mudd. None of them really look like it to me, but Kirk right there totally looks like Mike Parabek to me. Really strongly looks like Mike Parabek. See, it looks like so, he was inked by Klaus Jansen to me. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. But it it could still work. It could be uh-huh. Parabek inked by uh, by Jansen. Now That's that you true. say, yeah, totally. If somebody was to isolate that image and tell me that that was Parabek inked by uh, Jansen, I'd totally buy it because sure. it looks like it. But yeah, I do not see either of them. Friends or Jardin. Man, that really surprises me. Well, but you know what? Could be they can't all be winners. Yeah, could be a quickie. Could be. I get that impression from this particular uh, issue. Let's see what we got next time here. I'll take a quick uh, look ahead on Mike's. Ooh, I like the cover anyway. It says, Orion Pirates Attack. Uh, well, so, it's a, yeah. actually won't be ne- next month. will be a next-gen comic. but Right, yeah. But next next time we do a comic for TOS, that's, this is what it'll be. So, so we've, yeah. we've come to that time again, haven't we? We have. All right. Got it. We have this tree outside that has this really nasty pollen on it, and I think it's clogged up the old Star Trek computer. Okay, here it goes. It's spitting out a number. 52. 52 is... Oh, no. <laughs> Did I get um, no. did, did I get a new one anyway? Is it one we haven't done yet? No, we have not done wow, this one. On the first There's try. a reason we haven't done this one before. This one is the Omega Glory. Oh. And you know what's funny? It would have been uh, better for this month because isn't this one um this Oh, that's right. Yeah, with the patriotic with, moment on it. With the Combs and the Yangs. Yeah, yes. that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That totally would have worked for Independence this is also Day. Infamously, like, of all the Star Treks they chose to put on a Viewmaster. You know what? You just totally read my mind because I was that I was just going to mention that, that we were talking about Viewmasters recently. And yes, this was <laughs> what of they chose. all the Star Treks to yep. visually represent on Viewmaster. Now, it, it hit me uh, fairly recently. I was digging around on eBay for something or other, and I found that there actually had been Viewmasters for Star Trek The Motion Picture, which I Ooh. did not know that before. I don't have them. I wish I did. But uh, the V'ger, Some of the V'ger shots must have been yeah. really neat. I, I would like to get that. I don't know if they ever did Star Trek II. But, uh, but yeah, I, I can't believe uh, out of the 78 episodes that they chose that one, but... I'm hoping 
maybe this one will be better than I remember it, but probably not because I every time I've ever watched this one, I've always been really uh, impressed by how bad it was. (laughs) But it does have uh, Simon Van Gelder as as the enemy captain. Oh, excellent! Yeah, that's that'll be fun anyway. Give us some neural neutralizer humor for next time. (laughs) He's very fond of. No. All right, well, I'm out. (laughs) No! Hi, everybody. This is Pete Puma, and I'm here to talk to you about overpopulation. Because I look around and there's a whole lot of kids out there, a whole lot of them, and they, they give me a, a headache. It's like that time that the Starship Enterprise went to the planet Gideon, and there were too many people, and they were all under pressure, so Captain Kirk, he got a headache, so he should have just stayed on the Enterprise and had a cup of coffee instead, and... This song goes out to all those people who don't have kids. of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our brand new website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com. 
where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks. Freaks. This is Under pressure. finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.